Hello, everyone. Hello. It's Kawaii Cast. I'm Candace. I'm Tyler. And yeah, let's go ahead and start with anime news. Anime news. Uh, so, just kind of a, a fun little bit here. Uh, the president-elect of Chile received a Squirtle as the administration's starter Pokemon. <laughs> so, so uh, their uh, Minister of State for Foreign Affairs of Japan, Kiyoshi Odawara, uh, brought a small Squirtle plush to gift them for, for their inauguration, which is kind of funny. That is funny. Anyways. I've got nothing. Nothing on your end? I got no- I- I scoured the internet, you guys. <laughs> I got nothing. What the hell? Nothing's going on right now. Alright, well then, uh, other than that, the- the official Boruto anime Twitter account has made an announcement warning of unlicensed NFTs. That are using the Boruto name. <laughs> Man, I haven't heard a whole lot about NFTs lately, other than like some news story that's like, NFTs seem to be losing popularity. It's like, because literally now there's actually real things going on in the world, and we don't have time to care about this bullshit anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, that's how slow the anime world is right now. It's been pretty we slow. We don't have a lot of news. Yeah, I've been in gotcha hell lately. It's fine. <laughs> How many games? Uh, well, I'm still only playing like two and a half games right now. I've neglected Omioji quite a bit. How do you play half a game? Uh, Omioji still exists on my phone, but I don't play it. Oh, okay. Yeah, every now and again I get notifications like, hey, did you die? And I'd be like, I promise Omioji I'm going to play again. Just not right now. <laughs> I'm getting around to it. I'm just... I, yeah. So. Distracted with other things. Yeah, but Twisted Wonderland and Tokenrobu both have events going on, so okay. I'm playing those. But yeah, that's that's what the world is like right now in the world of anime. Speaking of slow anime times, uh, we are doing something a little unorthodox this week. Normally we wait until the season has actually wrapped up to give you guys our final thoughts about the season. But the problem is we already have the next two weeks planned for episodes. And so, we didn't have anything <laughs> planned for this week. Yeah, so... So we're going to do it today instead, even though the season still has a few episodes left. But it was either do it today or skip an episode this week. And we skipped and then, last week, so... Yeah, so we'd have a two-week a... hiatus and... Then we would give you guys our final thoughts in three weeks instead. And by that point, I think we would have just forgotten everything we were going to say. <laughs> for reals. So, yeah, it, this ended up working better for our schedule. So we're sorry if if we're, all of our thoughts are a little bit incomplete this week. Cause, yeah. Because almost none of the shows have wrapped up yet. So Shows that have wrapped up, though. There's one, or no, there's two. Two. I have two. two. Well, I have two. Do you have one? Uh, I don't know. What's the second one of yours? I'll talk about that one later. Let's talk about the first one that we both have definitely watched. Uh, Kimitsu no Yaiba. Yes, Demon Slayer. Yes, so we, that one definitely wrapped up, because that one wrapped up weeks ago. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, so thoughts on the end of Demon Slayer. So good. It was so, so good. good. So oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That final fight, though, oh my god! Intense. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, was that final fight a roller coaster? Mm-hmm. So I know that a lot of people have been talking about that fight. That if we thought that the fight from season one that broke the internet was good, this one is so much better. And it was like an entire season building up to that fight too. So the I've mentioned this before several times, but this is my absolute favorite arc in all of Demon Slayer. And I think the only thing that's really disappointing about this season is that I just don't feel like the next season has that level of hype. Because I genuinely cannot remember shit about the two upper moons (laughs) that we meet in the next season. I know that he's going to be going up against four and five. I don't know what they do. I read the manga. And I, you're you're just kind of like, well, I know what happened. I vaguely remember what they look like. Like if you show me like a picture of all the upper moons, I'm like, oh yeah, that one's four and that one's five. But that's it. That's basically all my knowledge about the upper moons. And considering they're supposed to be the main villains in the next arc, is kind of sad and i know that i'm not the only one who's in this position a lot of manga readers are just like oh yeah the swordsmith arc is amazing and everybody's like who are the villains in it they're like i don't know chad chad and bill i don't fucking it's the upper moons it's two of the upper moons we literally don't give a shit (laughs) like we do get two of the best hashira arcs in the next season we get uh the love hashira who's already building controversy because there's a scene where she's in a hot spring. Yep. And we get the mist Hashira. Who's also building controversy because there's a hot spring episode. No, I'm kidding, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the mist. I had a double check room thing if I was thinking of the wrong person. No, it's the mist. I can't really remember if his full character arc has really gone through in this next season or the season following it because I know that he has a really, really big connection to one of the upper moons, and it's neither the upper moons that we meet in the next season. Okay. But we did meet one of the most popular upper moons at the end of this season, and that is uh, number two. Number dos. Yes, the one with the rainbow eyes that turns uh, number six, both the main character and his sister, into demons. Oh, yeah. He used to be number six. Weren't, weren't you saying that that guy was just an absolute asshole? Oh, and... he is an absolute asshole. It's the reason he's popular. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the upper three moons are unquestionably the best villains of the entire series, and I include Muzan in that. Like, Muzan's not even close to being the best villain in the show. Like, he doesn't even beat, like, upper moon six or, like, her brother. Like, the brother-sister combination from this arc. They're better written than Muzan, in my opinion. <laughs> but the upper three moons are the best written characters, and the fact that we got to meet number two at the end of the season was a really big deal. And the person who voiced him, oh my god. He is a freaking god. <laughs> I don't know who voices him in the English, and I don't care. The Japanese voice actor is it's, just... It's perfect. It's just, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I can't remember his name at the time, but other characters that he has voiced, uh, he was the manager in Zombieland Saga. Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, Atsumu Mia 
in uh, Haikyuu. And those are the two I care about. <laughs> he's done a lot of roles, though. <laughs> and now he's this asshole. And... He's just, his well, whole well, entrance you know, was you, so some, good. Sometimes you just remember characters or you remember voice actors through their roles. Like, I will never forget that uh, the same girl who voices Megumin will also voices Amelia. Yeah. You know, like, like you kind of just get that, that connection. Yeah. So he's kind of, like, we met Akaza during the Mugen Train arc. Mm-hmm. This demon, the upper two, is kind of the polar opposite of Akaza. So Akaza was, without spoiling too much about his arc, the whole reason he went after Rengoku is because Akaza questioned whether or not being a demon was a good choice. Because he was like this great warrior when he was a human and he chose immortality over his ability to be in the sun. And he thought, well, if I'm a strong warrior and I get to live forever, that'll make me a stronger warrior. But the problem is, is that he wondered if anybody else would also take that opportunity if they were given it. So he was kind of on this life mission of trying to, like, find somebody that would be, that he could basically pulverize into the same position that he was in. Somebody that was strong enough to, like, actually hold their own against him, but not so strong that they would kill him. And Rengoku was that person. And he thought if he can convince Rengoku to become a demon, it literally justifies his entire life. And the problem is Rengoku was just like, I would rather die a human and, than and, live and, as a demon. And now that he's been chased off and taunted by Tanjiro, you know, yelling at him as he runs into the woods, he's having an existential crisis. Yeah, basically. His also major policy, he refuses to eat women. It is a personal thing. He is just like, the only people I'll eat is men. Number two was definitely a demon before he became a demon. He basically spent his entire life believing that he was a god and that he could do whatever the fuck he wants and that he could kill whoever he wants and it doesn't matter because everybody in the world is below him. Becoming a demon was just a very natural course for him. Like, he always believed he was, like, on the upper, like, levels of the food chain. And the thing is, he exclusively eats women. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a piece of shit. So, but yeah, this, this entire arc of Demon Slayer wrapped up so incredibly and we got the entire backstory between the siblings and all of the parallels between them and the uh, Komodo siblings and a lot of those parallels are really interesting too because uh, um, in both situations it was the brother who was gone and failed to protect his sister come home to find to tragedy find, yeah. and in both situations they were desperate to try to save their sister and in both situations, they met somebody of an upper rank who convinced them to walk the path that they did. In the case of Tanjiro, he met a Hashira who told him to become a demon slayer. And in the case of the older brother of these two siblings, he ran into Upper Moon. At the time, Six will later become Upper Moon too, And convinced them to become demons. Mm -hmm. And... The thing is, like, 
the two of them, they're parallels. Their stories are parallels that will never meet. Like, they're, they're, or parallels going opposite directions, I think would be the best way to put it. Because Tanjiro had a very good life, a very happy life where he was taken care of. And the other siblings didn't. They had a terrible life. Their mother hated them. They were basically forced to live on the streets, forced to lie and cheat and steal. But in both cases, the siblings really only had each other. And in both cases, the siblings were strong enough to really be on their own even prior to ending up on the path that they did. And Tanjiro also reflected on the fact that if he had become a demon with Nezuko, they could have been going the same direction. Yeah. So I I love this story arc a lot for just the siblings. I think they're some of the best written characters ever. And I also find it very, very interesting that from a fan-based pers- perspective, every time I see anybody talking about these siblings, it's always like met with comments like, Guys, I don't care how tragic their backstory is. They killed dozens of people. They're murderers and nothing will excuse what they did. And then I'll go to the Attack on Titan fandom and they'll be like, Guys, listen, I know that Aaron is literally murdering millions of innocent people, <laughs> but he had a really rough childhood. He had, had a rough childhood. <laughs> he's, he's, he's really hot. His mommy died. His mommy died, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll get into the Demon Slayer controversy later in this episode, but... Yeah, easily Demon Slayer was an easy one to recommend this season. Yeah. And we talked a lot about it already in a previous episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer. Must watch. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've pretty much been saying this since the first episode. Yeah. It lives up to its hype. So another show that is absolutely living up to its hype, and since I already kind of transitioned into it a little bit, is this season of Attack on Titan. Uh... I don't think we're wrapping up Attack on Titan this season. <laughs> nope, you're gonna get a movie. I feel yeah, I feel like we're getting a movie. Like, it's hard to tell though, because like I think we still have two or three episodes left, and I'm like, it's gonna come really close to the end. But there's no way it's going to end. And I'm like, will we have enough content for a full movie? Maybe an hour-long OVA. I don't know. Like. It's really hard to tell, because it doesn't feel like three episodes is enough to finish it, but it also feels like that's enough to get, like, pretty far into and, it. Unless it's gonna be uh, something like uh, the the next episode is just gonna be nothing but exposition dump. Maybe. And then and then the last two episodes are gonna be fight or whatever. Maybe. I don't know. Like, it's really hard to tell. I don't think we're wrapping up Attack of Titan this season, though. I really don't. I hope I'm wrong, because I really don't want to wait for this ending. No, I but. like I told you what they're gonna do is they're going. They're gonna to, pull Promise Neverland. They're gonna pull Promise Neverland and, and slideshow the ending. <laughs> so yeah, um, really the biggest controversy with this season of Attack on Titan is that I've noticed a lot of the fan base arguing over who's right and who's wrong, and I feel like y'all are missing the point. The point of Attack on Titan is not that. Aaron is right for what he's doing, or Aaron's wrong for what he's doing, is that during a time of war, there are no correct answers. All it is is people living off of the failures and the sins of the previous generations and responding to it the only way they know how. 
And in Aaron's case, his drive for freedom has literally led him to the rumbling, which is the genocide of every single human being on the planet, except for the people living on the island. And for the counter to that, Armin, his drive for freedom isn't the freedom of... Like, Aaron wants freedom from his enemies. Armin wants the freedom of choice and knowledge. Armin believes that what true freedom is is basically his vision of the ocean. It could be this beautiful, calm, serene thing, but it could also be devastating and terrifying and destroy people. And you don't dry out the ocean just because the waves are too big. You become stronger and you fight those waves. So for Armin, learning that the rest of the world basically wanted him and his people dead, it genocide wasn't the solution to that problem. It was holding your ground and facing whatever trials come at you. And to me, there's no correct answer as to which one of them is correct. But the biggest quote that was in the latest episode, so it's not a spoiler, was that genocide doesn't end conflict. It just makes the world smaller. The conflict remains. I mean... I'm, I'm gonna side with Eren on this, except for the fact that he doesn't go far enough. He just <laughs> needs to wipe out every human being on the planet. But he's that, al- that will end the conflict. Yeah, he's also wiping out all life, too. So it's not even just people, it's like literally everything. Uh, life, uh, life finds a way. <laughs> he's basically turning Earth into, like, Mercury. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, so ultimately, like, the idea that the conflict doesn't end is a very true statement, especially because this has already been proven in the series. I think a lot of people tend to forget that the whole first three seasons, every single character in the show was completely convinced that the people living on the island were the only human beings left on the entire planet. And that didn't end the conflict. There was literally corrupt people within the walls. There was literally people that were willing to let two-thirds of humanity die just to protect themselves. Yep. And Armin's case especially, his parents were killed by the military because they tried to build a hot air balloon to see what was beyond the walls. And his grandfather was sent to the front lines not for a hope to reclaim their land, but because they needed sacrificial sheep so everybody else could eat. Armin's family was not killed by Marlians. They were killed by Eldians. They were killed by their own. And Armin's not looking for revenge for that. He just sees the world as a reality that there's no such thing as us versus them. There's just bad people. And the only way to live is to face those bad people. Nah. I'm still going with kill them all. <laughs> I'm Team Armin, honestly. Like, maybe just because I'm a little bit biased. He is pretty hot. Armin is Nappa's favorite character, okay? <laughs> At least I'm not siding with okay, the killer this time. Okay, okay, But, but, but. Uh-huh. Did he at least get a new haircut? He did. Okay. He did. Have you not okay. seen, have you I, not seen my I, precious I, boy's beautiful hair? I can hair? agree with you then. Because, like, 
saying Arvin is hot is like saying, oh yeah, He-Man is so sexy. It's like, <laughs> not with that haircut. Come on, let's be real here. <laughs> Yeah, Armin is Mappa's favorite character. I've seen so many, like, side-by-sides. Like, this is what Armin looked like in this scene in the manga. And he's, like, all deformed and, like, twisted. It's like, this is what he looks like in the anime. And it's, like, glorious and beautiful. And I'm like, <laughs> Mappa loves Armin. Someone has to, I guess. I love him, too. Oh, my God, shut up. I did order a <laughs> Armin Android. His Android sold up fast. I, I don't. I don't hate Armin. I just hate that stupid haircut that he had for uh, the first season. That's valid. I think everybody did. So, but yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot I'd love to say about Attack on Titan. I'd love to do a full episode on it, but you would either need to watch it, or I would just have to bring somebody else on to talk about it. Yeah. Honestly. So, but yeah, I, I'm I'm Team Armin on this, but I'm also Team Hanji. And fortunately for me, they're the same team. Hanji's always been right. Hanji was literally never wrong, ever. Hanji's literally the only perfect character in this franchise. I also love that when, like, one of the characters was literally pointing out every single person's sins and how everybody has blood on their hands, Hanji's just like, I made soup! And I'm like, yeah! Hell yeah, you did, Hanji! Hell yeah, you did! That's good soup! Good job! <laughs> so yeah, that's those are my... Current thoughts on Attack on Titan. Like I said, I would love to dedicate a whole episode to it, but and I know a lot of people have been requesting that we do an entire Attack on Titan episode, but yeah, somebody hasn't watched it. So. Nope, someone is behind the times by like three seasons. Yep. Yeah, you watched season one. Yep. That was it. I watched a bit of se- season two. I don't think you did. Because I remember when I was watching season two and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not really into Attack on Titan anymore. No, I, because where did season one end? Uh, after Ani had been crystallized and they found out there was Titans in the walls. Okay. Yeah, that's about where I ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even see uh, Baruto and Reindeer become the Armor Titan and the Colossal Titan. <laughs> nope. I will never, ever end the trend of mispronouncing Bertram's name ever. <laughs> Berthold? Yeah. Bertholdmuel. Yeah. Yeah. That dude. Bart Simpson. Um I would like to see I don't know if it ever happens, but the Colossal Titan just pick up the armored Titan and throw him like a baseball, just <laughs> <laughs> It might happen. That's, that's that's the attack, just <laughs> it, it might happen with the current armored or er, attack Colossal Titan, one of the Titans. I'm just gonna listen. Female attack. This, uh, uh, this one. Warhammer. Uh, <laughs> cart. Ape, the ape. Uh. <laughs> the, the beast Titan. Yeah, the cart Titan. Oh boy. Oh, too many Titans. Why can't I hold all these Titans? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You didn't even see Aaron eat his dad. Thank God. <laughs> Anyway. I don't even think the people who saw that wanted to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shit dad. <laughs> Fair. He was just like, what are you talking about? I raised Aaron just fine. And everybody's like, what about your first son? And he's like, who? You know, your first son. <laughs> like, Zeke. He's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway. 
Attack on Titan. Good shit. Good soup. Good soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on, let's talk about one that we have both watched. Uh, probably, right now, the most controversial anime on our watch list right now, shockingly enough. We won't get too much into the controversy because... Frankly, it's not a conversation I want to I want to have on this podcast. But my dress up, darling. Yup. <laughs> who who would have thought a fucking show about a romance between uh, a tailor, I guess you'd call him, doll maker, doll maker, and a and a cosplayer would have been the most controversial show uh literally anybody in the cosplay community that's fair (laughs) have you ever seen the cosplay community they can't go a full month without some new major controversy i will i will point out it is the western cosplay community yeah from from my understanding is there's not any controversy about it within the japanese fans yeah so that's really the only thing i'm gonna say about this controversy if you guys are curious what we're talking about it's all over twitter and facebook like you'll find it eventually but uh for me i can see both sides i think within the bubble that is the japanese cosplay community there is no issue with anything that they've shown in the show like, I think for the most part, people in Japan just don't look at these situations like they are offensive or problematic. But in the Western cosplay community and in the international cosplay community, these issues have come up time and time and time and time again. And there's always been new standards and new rules on what is and is not okay, particularly on whether or not certain things make people uncomfortable or unhappy with how characters are portrayed by people who don't naturally match those characteristics. And that's that's always been a big deal here in the U.S. And it has spread to other countries as well. So I think in a bubble, there's no problem. But on a global scale, which with the series, you know, reaching global popularity, it is a subject that people are going to talk about. It is something that people are going to criticize or make their own opinions of i think ultimately if that is enough to make you not want to watch the show that's fine i respect that you know don't watch something that makes you uncomfortable i don't want to sell anybody on something that makes them uncomfortable and if you are in the cosplay community please reach out to your community to understand what is and is not okay because if you're dressing as in a costume that makes people around you uncomfortable or upset are you really going to have fun in that costume and ultimately your hobby should be fun that is my two cents on this subject. With that other way, we can actually talk about the show. <laughs> uh, yes, so like I said, it's a rom-com mm-hmm. about a doll maker and a cosplayer. Yeah, and I think this show has actually portrayed so many positive things. I think the series takes its uh, harem situation a bit on the more mild side. Or it seems like every girl that Gojo meets is falling for him in some certain level, but it never seems like Gojo takes any interest in any of these girls other than the main girl, Marin. And I think what's even more interesting about his character is that he does make a really strong point that in any situation where he's with these girls, it's always in a very safe and consensual situation. 
Like, if any of the girls come over to his house to work on cosplay, he always makes sure that they're comfortable being in the house alone with him. He never invites them over for any ulterior motives. It's always just, if you want to, you can meet at my place. If you feel safer somewhere else, we could go somewhere else. Whenever he meets any of the characters for the very first time, with the exception of one girl who literally stalked him, but any other <laughs> new character he meets, he always meets in a public setting, like a cafe or at school or in a fabric shop. Yeah. Um, le- kind of leading up into it, you said he like he makes sure they're all you know they're comfortable with it, mm-hmm. just like with the the most recent episode that we've watched where uh, Kitagawa is like over at his place and she's like oh look i got these like wall vinyl decals uh, so we can change the background and blah 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 and he's sitting there thinking like you're gonna have to do these pictures on your own i am not taking photos of that skimpy outfit yeah and he's also like i feel like most of his relationship with these characters begins and ends on a business level when it comes to cosplay they're either clients or they're people he's learning new things from. Yeah. And almost all of his goals is to better Kitagawa's cosplays. And that's it. That's like a big thing for his character. And I'm like, this is what makes him one of the most unique protagonists in these harem type shows that normally when the male protagonist learns that he has some kind of skill that's desirable by girls, he typically takes advantage of the situation to try to spend as much time with these girls as possible. Gojo never looks for an excuse to spend time with them. Even with Kitagawa, after they finished her first cosplay, he was under the impression that that was it. Yeah. This was a one and done thing, and he was like, oh, well, I guess now I no longer have an excuse to hang out with her, I guess, so... I guess I get to get back to my dolls. <laughs> Yeah, I guess this is just going to be us going back to just casually saying hi at school, and that's it. And then she's like, what are you talking about? I have like a hundred favorite characters. <laughs> right. And ultimately, uh. he doesn't look at this like, yes, now I can take advantage of the situation. But no, like, wow, okay, this is going to be a thing for the long run, and that makes me happy, because I get to spend more time with somebody I care about. And there are a lot of lewd jokes in this series, and there are a lot of fan service moments that make me feel extremely uncomfortable. And I hate that the fan base really seems to throw these fan service moments in your face. Like, the fan service is what's carrying this show. No, it's it's not. It's it's as as a rom com slash harem connoisseur, <laughs> okay. It is the relationship between the characters that's carrying the show. Yeah, and I completely agree. Like, like I, I like you know tit, tits and ass just as much as the next guy. You know, I like my fan service, but that's that's not what makes this show. Yeah, and again, if the fan service is making you uncomfortable with this show, again, I'm not gonna try to sell you guys on a series that makes you feel uncomfortable. If jiggling boobs on a teenage girl is enough for you to say no i'm done watching this absolutely put it down because it does not get any less jiggly as the series progresses (laughs) but i do stick around for the wholesome lessons particularly the cosplay representation like i was not expecting the big titty mid or um middle schooler to be the one who wanted to dress up as a hot anime guy 
But the moment she revealed that she wanted to dress up as a hot anime guy, I was like, I am here for this. You're, you're like, yes, 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 yes. Because when I first started cosplaying, I typically limited myself to big titty anime girls because once I hit puberty, they grew fast. And that was my body type for the longest time. And there were characters I really loved cosplaying as that fit that mold, but I would constantly get comments at cons and stuff like that from people saying, I wish I could cosplay, but I don't have your figure. I don't have big boobs, so I can't dress as that character. And I would always be like, you can pad. Pat padding is easy. Tying it down is hard. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was, I straight up told because like, Probably my most popular early cosplay was Sarah's Victoria from Helsing. And I have so many people tell me they couldn't cosplay her because they didn't have that figure. And I was in them like, I would actually rather cosplay as Walter when he was younger. Like that 13 year old Walter, I'm like, that's my aesthetic. I want to be that character, but I can't because I got these big boobs. That's understandable, you know. Can't, you can't cosplay perfectly some characters. Like, for me, I can't cosplay a perfect Chetney because I'm not three feet tall. Yeah. So that positivity and also really good lessons about learning about safe binding techniques. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, oh boy. So as cosplayers, definitely, you know, we learn these things. Do not use ace bandages. Yes. <laughs> there are, Do not use duct tape. Do not use duct tape. There are safe ways to bind. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, there was just... It was a really comforting part of the series that I feel like is very representative of real cosplayers. And it sucks to me that any controversy came out of this show because I do think that a lot of cosplayers needed a series like this. So, and to me, it's a shame that there is such a strong moment in the series that has kind of divided people on whether or not it is morally accepted to still be rooting for this character. And it kind of sucks, because part of me is just kind of like, it, the writer meant zero harm from that scene, but at the same time, I, again, if a costume you're wearing makes people around you feel uncomfortable or offended, you're not going to have fun in that costume. It's just how it is. So it, it, it definitely feels like I just kind of wish that scene didn't even happen or that we could just erase that episode from the show because it really does nothing to further the story and it just caused a big fucking fight that is just dumb regardless of which side of it you're on. I'm just tired of hearing about it. Yep. So I do still think the show is worth watching, but again, it's up to you. So... Uh, with that, let's move on to a less controversial anime that both of us were watching. We talked about this one, I believe, in our last episode, but goddamn, shit hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, Sabikui Bisco? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea where this series is going for its last couple of episodes. I... <laughs> I mean, we just watched an episode today. I think there might only be one episode left, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, because the latest episode was episode 10, so I'm really curious. I'm like, is this going to be 11 episodes? It, it just might be. I mean, it's it's not uncommon, you yeah. know? Like, it, there's 11-episode series. Uh, I mean... Where do, where do you go from here after, you know, 
spoiler, you know, title character is not in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, can you imagine Naruto without Naruto? Yeah. Well, it's called Boruto. Oh, Boruto. So, sorry, Boruto? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Baruto's dad without Baruto's dad? Can, can you can you imagine Baruto without Baruto's dad? <laughs> okay, but honestly, seriously, I'm not watching Baruto, but from what I hear, Baruto's dad makes the show. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what I hear too. I hear the show's so great, actually. Like, it has these moments that are just like, wow, okay, this is, like, nostalgic for the reasons why a lot of people fell in love with the original series. And then there's other moments like, yeah, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it takes such a nosedive, and then it goes back up to quality for a while. Right. But, uh, anyway, back to Bisco. Uh, yeah, we got title character death. <laughs> in episode nine. Yeah. Well, yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. Like, oh boy. I want to say the pacing of that episode was really weird too. Kind of was. Yeah. Like, I. It was by the end of episode eight. I started to realize that I am shipping the two main characters with each other, which is something that was completely unexpected from my perspective. Because as a boy love connoisseur. <laughs> I was not thinking that these were going to be two boys that I was going to be shipping. I was just like, oh, yeah, shonen protagonists. You know, I typically don't get too invested in shipping shonen protagonists with each other. Because most of the time, they're just bros. They're bros on a road trip, on a crab, you know? Like, we're here for this shit. <laughs> but then the series really... On, on, on a road trip, on a crab, on a world, inside of a... Yeah, I can't think of anything that rhymes with crab. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you think crab would be an easy word to rhyme? It's not. No, it's not. <laughs> You'd think it would be. It's like one of Dab. Those, it's one of those words that you just feel like, oh, there's definitely a lot of words that rhyme with crab. It's like, name one. <laughs> well, shit, you got me there. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't count dab. I don't think that's a real word. Stab. There you go. That's that's a word. Anyway. <laughs> but so it's, I, but I thought, it's not a noun. I couldn't use it. Yeah. I think that uh, this was just a show that I was really expecting to just be like, yeah, bros, man. And it even kind of teased the idea that the girl with pink hair was supposed to be the love interest for Panda and that Panda's sister was supposed to be the love interest for Bisco. But then it's just like, no, they're the love interest for each other. <laughs> Like I, I mean, Pabu is still kind of the love interest for for Bisco, like even even uh, in episode nine, I think you know Panda's just like, hey, you want to go out with my sister? Yeah, I almost feel like he was doing that to like divert his feelings a little bit though, because I think if he admitted that he loved Bisco, it'd be kind of like saying goodbye. So instead, he's just like, oh, well, you should you should date my sister. It's kind of like a, as long as you're still here, like, it's okay. You know, like, I'll do anything to keep you here. This is my boyfriend, and this is his boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's also my brother. Yep. But yeah, I, I, I felt like the pacing, kind of the pacing of the whole show is kind of weird, I think. And I think because of that, it didn't really 
hit that, like, when that emotional moment happened, it didn't really hit as hard as I think it should have. Which is a little disappointing, and we have pointed out in our last episode that there are a lot of fucking plot holes in this show. Yeah. I think if they had given this show even just one more episode in the middle there, it would have fixed a lot of those issues. So if this is 11 episodes, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. But I do think, as a whole, this show is really, really good, and it's one that I recommend anybody who wants good things to watch this season go watch and yeah i do feel like by the end of the year when we're writing our list of our Crunchyroll award nominees we're gonna be like wait was bisco this year yeah Shit. oh we absolutely but <laughs> but i'm also gonna be like hey wait a second I like anything that's this season i'm gonna be like wow really was that this year yeah I think this one in particular, though, I think it's going to fall a bit into obscurity by the time we reach yeah. the end, end of the year. And it's a shame, because I think it could have done so much better. But we'll have to wait for the finale to decide whether or not it's it was good as a whole, or if it was just right above that bar. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it was a hidden gem, though. I think so. Yeah. And I think that's all of the shows that we're both watching. So I'm going to let you take a show that just you're watching, and then I'll get back to the shows that I'm just watching. Oh boy, me take a show. Man, I have to pull up my list. Hold on a sec here. <laughs> if you got it, you know, locked and loaded, go for it. Uh, okay, so the other show that did wrap up that I know you didn't watch was the live-action Hakuoki series. Uh, we need a season two announcement now. <laughs> Uh, because holy shit, what a way to fucking end it. So for those of you who are familiar with the history of the Shinsengumi, basically it ended right when the government basically announces that the Shinsengumi and anybody that supported the, uh, um, oh, what's he called? The like leader, the military leader, anybody that wasn't supportive of the emperor, basically. Uh, that they're all enemies to the country. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... We get a lot of major character deaths in the latest episode, as well as a lot of people going full-blown crazy Oni on us. Mm-hmm. And we also find out the truth about the main girl and, like, the fact that her father wasn't actually her father and that she was the source of all of this fucking terrible shit. And then they're just like, and the show's over. And nice, beautiful ending song. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> we need the second half. so That'll learn, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, fucking Hiji Kata's actor was just... Was just... Magic. Yeah, he's great. Uh... <laughs> and Imari Yu was the main villain in the series. And it was very, very jarring. Because the only other like major thing that I know Imari Yu from... Actually, I know him from a lot of things, but major show that I like, first learned about him from was the Token Ramu musicals. And in that uh, series, he is part of the Shinsengumi. And so now he's the enemy of the Shinsengumi. And I'm like, it's jarring. It's very jarring. But he did a really good job. And he looks really good with white hair. And horns. And horns. <laughs> <laughs> show took a weird twist, all right? <laughs> like, all right. So, yeah. Uh... Hakuoki, if you are a fan of the Hakuoki franchise, I feel like why haven't you watched this already? 
And if you're not a fan of the Hakuoki franchise, but you do like historical dramas, this is a must watch. Okay. I know a lot of people were watching and they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting a live action anime to actually be good. This is really good. It's like, it's because it's done by 2.5D production studios. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, I got, uh, I forget the name. Uh, something, something. I'm looking at my anime list, and and my anime list has the Japanese name, uh, Liadel no Daichi Nite, which is like uh, in in the world of Liadel or something. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like it it is another isekai, like oh you're stuck in a video game world, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's more lighthearted. It you know it takes it takes some of these tropes and and it, it does them better than some of these shows that do them seriously like this this is how you do your character that's overpowered okay you know you you don't make your overpowered character show off their overpoweredness just just to show off that they're overpowered you know like like the main character specifically goes out of her way to be like hey um I know I just killed that big bad thing, but uh, you want to keep this on the down low? I don't want <laughs> other people finding out about this, you know? Yeah. Like, and she's just she's just a likable character. And the show's just fun, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really all it is. Yeah. I did watch a few episodes of it. It felt a bit generic for me. So it I is a little it. generic. I, I won't deny that it is a little generic but yeah it's still enjoyable to me because well one this has been a slow season so it's like i can enjoy this kind of generic bullshit yeah i like that you went into this segment though just like man i'm really liking this show it's I'm, called i'm really liking this it's something something, something, something this one bullshit yeah <laughs> 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 that's that's the title something something isekai bullshit yeah i think anybody that uh looked at this season's anime knows which one you're talking about because i knew which one you're talking about so yeah yeah uh so the last one that i watched for this whole season was basically what one of my i have to tune in new episode is out today all of my shows that i was watching like that they'll all air on sundays <laughs> like <laughs> sunday was the day um, it was Sasaki and Miyano. My only reason for still having a Funimation account at this point. <laughs> and I loved this series so much, I went out and I bought the first four volumes of the manga. And apparently I was the only person at this point because the first volume was fucking impossible to get. I had to backorder it and pray that it wouldn't get cancelled. So I did manage to get the first four volumes. Uh, I have the fifth volume on pre-order, so I'm really excited. It seems like the anime is going to end where either the fifth book or the sixth book ends. Because the fourth book only got up to, like, episode eight, I think. So it was, like, I caught up pretty quickly. But Sasaki and Miyano was basically this year's Horimiya. And I think a lot of people immediately rejected it for being a boy love series. But damn, this series uses boy like slice of life tropes i should say specifically as a way to kind of counter the fact that it's a bit generic 
Like, the main character, uh, Miano, is a boy love connoisseur. <laughs> he reads a lot of boy love mangas, and he got into it quick. Like, his first year of high school, he accidentally picked up one. It was just, like, an anthology book for a series that he was really into. He, and he accidentally yeah. <laughs> wandered into the boy love section well, it wasn't at, his, at his local manga <laughs> shop, well, the, the... And, he, and he just so happened <laughs> to trip and fall into a pile of boy love manga with with one on his face and as he peeled it away he was no. able to read it. No, so he actually explains how he got into boy love was that he was looking for a series that he was already into which was like a typical shonen series and he found an anthology book which is typically a fan made book and it wasn't in the boy love section it was in the normal section with that same series. So he didn't think anything of it. He's just like, oh, it's an anthology of a series I like. When he read it, he discovered it was, in fact, boy love. And it was basically a massive fan fiction. And he couldn't put it down. And immediately that opened the gates, which just came flooding in with boy love. Aww. Baby's first porno. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and from there, he became obsessed to the point where almost his entire manga collection is boy love he listens to boy love audio tracks on his way to school he watches he goes to movie theaters to see boy love anime like he's read light novels heavy novels doujin he knows every trope this boy is a connoisseur <laughs> and one day he meets his senpai sasaki who ends up saving one of his friends from a fight and from there, Sasaki takes an interest in Miyano, because at first he thought he looked like a girl. And he asks him, like, oh, what are you into? And the only answer he has is boy love, thinking he would scare him off. But Sasaki, surprisingly, is like, oh, I'll check it out. And the more he reads them, he's like, hey, these are actually really good stories. And Miyano's like, oh, it's not like I'm gay, okay? It's just, <laughs> I really like these books. And he's like, nah, man, that's cool, it's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gay. Unless... <laughs> And ultimately, the series boils down to the fact that these two boys, with Sasaki obviously falling in love with Miyano, but Miyano not sure how he feels because he's kind of confused whether or not he actually has feelings for Sasaki, or if he just keeps ending up in all these tropey situations that normally he'd be really excited about, except for the fact that he's now the one in the situation. And he's like, do I love this guy or do I just love this trope and I'm falling for it? You know? And so he constantly tries to keep Sasaki at arm's length, not wanting to hurt his feelings, but at the same time, not really sure exactly about his own feelings because the only person he's ever had a crush on before was a girl. And he's always felt super self-conscious about people saying that he looks more feminine because he's always wanted to be more masculine. And so all of this is just kind of like, what if I get older and I look more manly? Are you still going to be attracted to me then? And Sasaki's like, yeah, I'm going to like you no matter what, because it's not your cuteness or your prettiness that I'm attracted to. It's you that I'm attracted to. And I have never been more invested in two boys holding hands. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I love this series. It has incredible pacing it's incredible storytelling and it's an incredible representation of like genuinely just learning about who you are as an individual and your interests and your sexuality. 
and all of the side characters, the thing that makes this like basically like Horimiya is that all of the side characters are equally as likable, if not more likable. Like Miano's best friend, his whole story is that like, when he was in middle school, he found out one of his classmates, his girl, couldn't come to school because she was always in the hospital. And their teacher made their entire class go to the hospital to spend time with her. And the whole class was kind of like, this is a drag. I hate that the teacher dragged us here. But he genuinely liked her. He was just like, oh my gosh, I, this girl's so interesting. I wanna hang out with her all the time. So he made it like a big point of his life to make her feel included in like basically everything going on, like both in his life and in school. And to make her feel as normal as possible and he even went to an all boys school so that way she wouldn't feel uncomfortable with him going to school with a bunch of girls and he's just head over heels in love with his girlfriend and he's just obsessed with her and he even asks miano about boy love manga because he wants to buy them for his girlfriend look dude i'm not into this shit, but my girlfriend who doesn't go to this school, I swear. <laughs> She's really into, like, that sounds like an excuse. Come on. No, he, like, he... like, I know it's genuine, but, like, you approach anyone with that, they're not going to believe you. No, he's the type that always brags about her. Like, somebody would be like, hey, man, how you doing today? He's like, well, my girlfriend is great. Like, do you want to see a picture of her? Because she's really cute. I love my girlfriend. My girlfriend's the best. <laughs> Like, he's just constantly, and, like, even Miano will tell people, like, don't ask him about his girlfriend. He will not shut up. Like, please. <laughs> like, like it, it turns into a thing. There's even one episode where uh, Miano... Look, look, he's gonna open up his wallet, and his entire <laughs> photo catalog of his girlfriend is gonna spill out. Yeah. Don't mention anything, I promise. <laughs> you do not want to get into that. Well, and there's even, like, a part of Whoops. the show where... Like, their class convinces Miano to join the uh, cross-dressing contest for their school festival. And Miano's not sure if he really wants to participate because, again, he feels really self-conscious about looking feminine. And his friend's like, hey, man, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it for you. We could both kind of get ready for it. And then at the day of the festival, we'll decide which one of us wants to go. So they're trying on their costumes, and he's taking selfies of himself as, like, a girl. And he's like, why are you taking selfies? Like, oh, my girlfriend loves when men cross-dress. And he looks so cute, too. I'm like, God, he's the best character. And there's even, like, you know, a character whose girlfriend is obsessed with uh, boy love, and she's really into the bad boy tropes, where bad boys are, like, the bottom. And he gets really disturbed by this because he's a bad boy, and he's worried that his girlfriend's only dating him because she's fantasizing about him with other men. I mean, of course she is, but... And, and so Miano has to be kind of, like, the translator for the things she's saying and the things he's misunderstanding. Like, he's basically their counselor. He's their boy love counselor. And then there's Miano's original senpai who lives on campus with his roommate... And they are absolutely the they were roommates trope. Because it turns out the roommate is actually completely in love with him. But he doesn't realize that because he's dense. And Miano overheard the roommate actually admitting that he had a crush on him. And so Miano knows. He's like, oh my. my One of my best friends and his roommate. Oh my god. This is real, real life boy love happening right in front of me. It's, it's, uh, they're... They're roommates, you know, like like historians. They're, yeah. they're just like, oh, yeah. They're Best just friends. Really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Right, writes an entire love box, like sonnet for, for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were good friends. Yeah, they used to kiss because good friends used to do that. 
That's, that's just the times. Apparently there's an entire side manga based on these two characters. Is there? Yeah. Okay, that's amusing. So I'm like, Sasaki and Miyano is just absolutely fantastic, and it hits all of those tropey bullshit moments, but it excuses them by basically being like, Okay, if you were, like, obsessed with Slice of Life and you were living a Slice of Life at your high school, would you not stop and think, like, is this really fucking happening to me? (laughs) (laughs) And that's basically what the series is and uses a lot of it for its humor and every character is just well written. If you are looking for the next Horimiya, even if you don't like Boy Love, I recommend going to check this one out. It's great. And super cute. 10 out of 10. Perfect anime. I'm going to be talking about it all year. Yeah. If you say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from that, is there another one that you watched that I did not? Uh, I mean, you were kind of watching it with me. Akebi's Sailor Uniform. Ah, uh, yeah. So I did kind of drop this one, but I do want to talk about my feelings about it's, it still. It's, it's cute. It's cute girls doing cute things. Yeah. That's, that's basically it. You know, you can kind of get an idea of what it's about you know just based on title and cute girls doing cute things yeah it's literally a girl that wanted to go to a specific school because she loved the school uniforms and her mom went out of her way to make her school uniform only to find out that the uniforms actually changed but because the school failed to tell her this the school tells her that she can wear whichever uniform she prefers and she chooses the one her mom made her And from there, she gets to stand out like a sore thumb and get to make friends with all of these other girls in her class. And it ends up just being cute girls doing cute things. The anime. Yeah. And I did watch a few episodes of this. I think ultimately the reason I stopped watching this is because I realized that these characters were being fetishized to all hell by the entire internet. Yeah, glad I didn't see any of that. Yeah, and like... a lot of it comes to the fact that a lot of these shots from this series will show things like close-up of the character's feet or high-detailed images of their lips or their eyes or whatever. And there's even a shot where, like, everybody in her class sees her underwear. And to me, like, this always feels like... Because they're literally, like, middle schoolers. Or middle schoolers. They're, like, like, 13 years old. Like, it's it's literally her first year of middle school. She's, she's like, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. I've always looked at, like, this anime when I was watching it. I was like, this is, like, a coming-of-age story for girls. But the whole internet just like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Oh, my God. No. No. She's a literal child. She's... She's cute. She's doing cute things. That's kind of the genre. Cute girls doing cute things. It's not meant to... Yeah. It's uh, fucking internet. So because of that, I got really creeped out by the series. And I think it's a shame because... I do think we need more, like, coming-of-age stories about younger girls. Because you get a lot of coming-of-age stories about guys, like... Oh no, a boy hits puberty and now his whole world changes. But you don't get that with girls very often. Yeah. And I'm like, I I really think this could have been a good representation of that. And instead the whole internet just makes it about sex. And it's extremely upsetting. And because of that, my coming of age uh, teenage girl story will probably be watching Turning Red. Because... Yeah. Yeah, because I think... That's one that people haven't fetishized yet. In fact, anybody who 
like most guys who have watched it who would normally be the guys to fetishize that kind of crap are so turned off by turning red <laughs> that it is actually extremely refreshing. <laughs> oh, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So it's... Yeah. So I wanted to get into Okabe Sailor Uniform. I really love the art style. I think it's a very, very pretty series. And it's... It's cute. It's very much like how actual 13-year-old girls are, too. Like, they're silly and they don't understand a lot of things and they mimic their idols from tv and they run on track and field barefoot yeah um i don't know do i think this show's great not really i i it's it's another one that if it wasn't such a slow season i might not be watching it yeah but it's still been enjoyable yeah it wasn't one that i was devastated to drop yeah just my reasons for dropping it were pretty devastating yeah, I get so, it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was everything I watched this season. It's a really slow season. It's a really slow season. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Watch, watch our five episode, five series, guys. <laughs> Go watch Sasaki and Miyano. If I only had to recommend one on here, I already know you guys watch Demon Slayer and Attack on Titan, so I don't need to recommend those. But if I had to recommend anything from my list, it, it's Sasaki and Miyano. It's the only one that I think I'm going to be remembering by the end of this year. Uh, clearly, everyone should be watching the second season of Princess Connect. Okay. I didn't watch the first season of Princess Connect. <laughs> well, why not? I didn't want to. Just because it's based off a gotcha game. I didn't want to. That's fair. Yeah. I'm watching it. It's, it's cute. Again, yeah. it's... Uh, Whatever. Welcome to I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's that's our that's, wrap up. That's it. Hopefully this finale's live up to our expectations. I know, right? Otherwise, we're going to come back to you guys like, yeah, don't listen to that last episode. Fucking burn it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we're removing it from the website, you guys. It's, if you downloaded it, please do us the courtesy of deleting it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, have a good night. Thank yep. you for listening. Yep. Bye, Bye. guys. <laughs>